Welcome to the Outpost Church Podcast. Here's our message from our recent Sunday gathering. We hope you're encouraged. I was just going to introduce Shane. He's getting ready to speak. Um, we're doing a series on obedience, discipleship, right? And Shane's continuing that. Um, <laughs> before I give you the microphone... <laughs> I was just thinking, you know, sometimes we introduce each other and say stuff about, and I thought, hmm, what's something the church doesn't know about Shane that we can do as an intro? And I thought of the fact that probably people don't know that Shane's written a song, um, and that just came... (laughs) How old were you when you wrote it? Seven. Seven. This is his first and only song so far that he's written, but you never know, maybe there'll be a follow-up. There might be a follow-up, but... Want to share the li- lyrics of the song with us that you can recall? We're on a special mission. We're on a special mission to love. We're on a special mission. We're on a special mission to serve. Uh, there might be some other things as well that we're on a special mission for. <laughs> there, it does sound better this way. There was a, an event that I was involved in called KCO, Kids Camp Out. Has anyone ever been to KCO? Anyone heard of it? You've been to it or you haven't heard of it. That was the options. So um, I got to compare and back in its heyday, it was like 3,000 kids uh, down at West Beach Caravan Park and a friend and I got to compare it for a few years and one of those years, another friend of mine found out about this song and he got the band, which was a pretty decent sized band, like 10 piece band, uh, to play it and didn't tell me in advance and so it was one of the electives and I hear this song I'm like that's it what <laughs> it was really I don't know what happened I don't know that's the bit I remember <laughs> special moments okay so <laughs> I was gonna pray for you before okay. we start Um, Father, we just thank you that we are on a special mission and we're still on that mission. Thank you that Shane is still on that mission um, and that um, you were putting things on his heart then and you put things on his heart now. And thank you for what he's going to share for us tonight. tonight. And uh, yeah, Lord, we just um, ask that you come Holy Spirit, you speak through Shane and that we would be receptive to what you want to speak to us. Um, That we wouldn't just hear and be hearers only but that we would be doers of the word as well. Lord, I pray that what we hear tonight, what we, you convict of us tonight, we will act upon tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen. What was your favorite quote from the other week? Remember that. Um, it was don't ask, have I heard this before? But ask, am I doing this yet? It's a good word. We got to go to this church in Canada for about four months. And it was a really good experience. It was one of the many reasons why Esther wanted to get baptized in seeing baptism uh, service happening there. Um, she was five at the time. And they had this massive um, poster in the foyer. And it was a fantastic poster, except for the first word. 
So it was, I can't remember what the picture was, but it was something really welcoming, and it said, you know, a church where I can belong and serve. Great. But the first word was finally. Finally, a church where I can belong and serve. And we had this um, prayer meeting on Thursday, and it was at the Aberfoyle Park Baptist Church, and it was for... Um, pastors and church leaders from around the Onkaparinga to come together and pray. And we do this once a quarter. We've been doing that for a couple of years now. And we try and host it in a different place each time. And it is such a good thing and so easy to not do it. But to actually take time out and gather together and pray for each other, pray for the city of Onkaparinga that we're all a part of, uh, it's so easy for us to, just through the busyness of everything else, not prioritise unity. Uh, and that sign for me just indicates how easy it is for us to get into some sort of competitive kind of mindset um, and putting down other churches. Um, and I just want to take a bit of time to pray. Um, and can anyone here think of the name of another Christian who goes to a different church than this one? Raise your hand. If you can think of the name of someone. Who here can think of the name of another church? Awesome. All right, stand to your feet. We're going to spend just 30 seconds and we're going to pray because probably the people that you're thinking of went to church this morning. Probably the church you're thinking of has already met today. Let's just pray for other churches, other Christians by name as they come to mind. Um, let's pray. Father, we want to see your kingdom come. We want to see your will done here in Onkapringa and on the Flurio as it is in heaven. And we just speak your blessing over all the other churches in this district and beyond, those that have already met, those that are currently meeting, about to meet today. We speak your blessing upon their gatherings over the coming weeks and months. Uh, next week, as we celebrate Pentecost, we ask in each of those churches that there would be that obvious move of your spirit. We thank you for that move of the spirit a couple of thousand years ago and the result of that move. And Lord, we ask that you would do something amazing in our midst. I pray that there would be a greater sense of unity amongst the churches than there has ever been before. I pray that we would encourage one another. We would speak life and hope into one another. And I ask that there would be a shift in our perception of the church, that we would have hope for the future of the church. I ask that there would be just such a clear picture of how you see the church in our minds, that we would know how you see your people and what you have for us into the future. So come, Holy Spirit, would you breathe on your church afresh and would we see more people coming to see you as you are and responding accordingly. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah and amen. You may be seated. There's a bunch of Bibles here. Please make sure you have a Bible 
uh, open to Romans. So we will have a look at Romans chapter 1 in just a little bit. There is a phrase that has captured me over the last little while. The intention of today was where Christy last week kicked off this series on obedience uh, and the plan was for me to focus on Hebrews for this one um, but there's some stuff that's just really grabbed me and most likely I'll look at Hebrews for next week. Um, but there's this, this particular phrase, it's actually in the second sentence of Romans and it's in the second to last sentence of Romans. So right at the back of the book, just this, this phrase that appears and it's the obedience of faith. The obedience of faith. Obedience is an interesting word and we... Sorry? You can... Yeah, definitely turn to Romans 1. Um, we like it in dogs. We like it if dogs are obedient and that really helps. And generally speaking, we think it's right for kids to be obedient to their parents and to their teachers. Um, but I think we're less convicted of that in 2023 than we were, say, I don't know, 1950, uh, that sort of range. And something like being called an obedient citizen perhaps isn't a compliment for a decent amount of people in our society. And we think that, yes, it's right to obey your boss, it's right to obey your parents, it's right to obey the government in as far as we can trust these. Because we want to make sure that the parent does have the right, you know, the interest of the child at heart. Um, the parent that's giving the instructions to be obeyed needs to actually want good things for their kids. But then there's all these other things in there as well, like ideology. Um, we want to make sure they have the same ideologies that we do. Um, plenty of people have accused others of child abuse. Even though they take good care of their kids, it's based on the ideologies that they're bringing their kids up with. And this whole area of obedience is a really interesting one. And we're going to have a look at what Romans has to say in this space of obedience. Because I can see that there is nuance in these things. Um, but for us, if we are believers in Christ, then there are some areas where there isn't that nuance. So let's have a look at Romans chapter 1, and we will start with verse 1, right after I have a drink. Feel free to read it. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. I would love it if all of us had a, had a similar kind of handle on our identity as what Paul did. It's a beautiful combination because he's a servant of God, but he's also called as an apostle. He is one who just gets it done. Whatever his master wants is what he does. But he also has this privileged title and position as one who is sent out to others. Um, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. 
So the gospel wasn't something that was made up on the spot. It was something that was promised ahead of time. What Jesus fulfilled was promised, and we can read about it throughout the the Old Testament. Verse 3, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was a descendant of David according to the flesh and was appointed to be the powerful son of God according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. These two facets of Jesus that are very significant. Firstly, his human identity. He fulfilled the prophecies by being born in the line of David. That was significant. He was proved to be human through that. He was proved to be God, and also by the fact that he died, shows his humanity. But the fact that he was raised back to life proves his divinity. And it was the, the spirit that raised him from the dead. Verse 5, through him we have received grace and apostleship. Grace and apostleship. Who likes grace? That's the right answer, just in case you're wondering. It's good to like grace. So John chapter 1 says that from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Grace isn't a license to sin. Grace is the forgiveness of our sin and the empowerment to live different. He actually empowers us to live a different life through the Holy Spirit. That is all part of grace. Yes, we are forgiven, but yes, we are also credited with his righteousness and empowered to live a new kind of life. So we have received grace and apostleship. So he's an apostle, but he's also using that term more broadly. We have received grace and apostleship. Being an apostle is an office of the church, but it's also something that is true of everyone. Jesus, on two different occasions in John's Gospel, talks about us being sent. So he said... Just as the Father has sent me, so I now send you. And when he's praying to the Father, he says, Just as you sent me, so I now send them. Jesus was sent in order to redeem humanity. We are sent in order to let everyone know that Jesus has redeemed humanity. We have a mission. We have something to do. And the ultimate picture of the church is a group of people who live as sent ones and who gather together to remind each other that they are sent ones as they continue living as sent ones. If you were suddenly thrust into a life of politics and you were to move into a different country but you were to represent Australia in that other country, what would your title be? An ambassador. It would be important for you to be very clear where you had come from. You were not to just live as the others do in this new country. 
you are to represent Australia. We are called to represent Jesus. We're sent ones. It's really important that we know our citizenship is in heaven. We are not to be confused with everyone else around us. And it's really easy for us just to become so in tune with the world that we fit into it without thinking. We are called to stand out. We've received grace. We've also received apostleship. Through him we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the Gentiles, including you who are also called by Jesus Christ. So there where it says among all the Gentiles, you may have a footnote depending on which um, Bible you're reading. Among all the Gentiles could be amongst all the nations. Could be Gentile specifically, could be everyone. The obedience of faith. If you really trust someone, it makes it a lot easier to obey them. Obedience of faith, that word faith, could be translated as trust. The obedience of trust. If we trust that what Jesus says is the best thing. Best thing for us, best thing for others, best thing for him, then we'll do it. The obedience of faith is very simple. If we actually trust, then we'll put it into practice. Who can, who's had something that's convicted them recently that Jesus tells us to do? Yeah, to pray. Jesus was asked how to pray, and he said, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Yeah, but even just his lifestyle was one of prayer. He got up early in the morning, even had an all-nighter just praying. So he lived it out, and he calls others to pray. He says, when you pray... In the Sermon on the Mount, assuming that we would. Yeah. Do you want to share what it was or not? If in doubt, leave it out. Gossip. Nice. All right, anything else? People being convicted of that Jesus has said recently. to write about scripture that you read. I remember being really inspired by it. Well, got to be careful how I word this. I remember, you know, I was inspired. I didn't actually act on it. But being inspired as a young adult with someone who would just write out scripture. That was their regular practice. I was like, that's a great idea. But never in that season actually did it. But, yep, reflecting on scripture and journaling around that. Awesome.
Through him we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the Gentiles. This is us and it is others. So we have been given a mandate to bring about the obedience of faith. For a start, in ourselves, but then also others. What is the biblical approach if you see something in someone else that isn't right and doesn't line up to what we are told to do? What is the biblical approach to dealing with that? If it's a believer. Check yourself first. So what's the the common... What's the picture that Jesus gives us? Remove the log from your own eye first, then you can see clearly to remove the speck from your brother or sister's eye. So we're called to bring about the obedience of faith, and that is ourselves, but it is also others. And it has to start with us. It has to start with us, seeing ourselves more clearly, but it will involve us actually challenging other people. But it starts with us. Always starts with us. I want us to do a bit of reflecting over the next little while, and I want to start with with myself. So as I consider what helps me and what hinders me to be obedient to Jesus... I reflect on something that happened about two weeks ago. <clears throat> so I uh, took on a bit of extra uh, teaching work. And so I've, I've got a year three, four class that I'm teaching just on yeah, one day across the week. And I've added in a year five, six class at the same school uh, every second Monday. And so it's not huge, but it's another thing. So a fresh class, fresh curriculum. Um, and I just started that on Monday almost two weeks ago, and it really impacted me when I, um, I went to school uh, that Monday, and I had a bit of planning time throughout the day and found I just couldn't use it well at all. Um, and then it started to impact me how much I was wasting time, um, getting frustrated at myself, and it kind of snowballed from there. And then when I went on the Tuesday, the similar kind of a thing, uh, where I was feeling frustrated, feeling down. And to give a little more context, just over three years ago, um, I hit burnout. And it was through uh, school stuff, like going back into teaching for the first time in a while, uh, that it, it hit. And I found myself feeling increasingly anxious, um, having times where um, I was just com- found myself unable to do anything productive. Um, and even to the point of having things that were basically were panic attacks. Um, and I found myself <coughs> um, just two weeks ago feeling like I was going back into that space. And Part of the irony of it was that I'd had uh, two mornings, so the Monday morning and the Tuesday morning where I was leading a prayer meeting here. 
Um, and the Monday morning, I think I was probably doing fine. It was more of something that crept in as the day progressed. But the Tuesday morning would have been the perfect time for me to say, I'm actually really struggling. Would you guys just pray for me? Um, and I didn't do it. Um, I just chose to, to keep, you know, sort of going through and trying to sort it out uh, on my own rather than being open and vulnerable. And this is part of me being open and vulnerable now um, and allowing others to, to speak into, into it. And what, in reflecting on it more, what I've um, come to see is my struggle to obey Jesus in moments like that is that I become very introspective and I'm just thinking about myself and my problems and I am not in a space where I can easily see the needs of others. I'm not in a space where I can easily see the goodness of God because there's fear. There's fear that what happened three years ago is going to happen again now. There's fear that I made the wrong choice in accepting this contract and now I'm locked in and it's going to be horrible every week when I go back. There's different things that come up. But as I read the start of this, as I, I also re reflect as well that I've possibly never been more intentional about reading scripture than I was in the first four months of this year. And the first three months I read Colossians every single day and then in um, April, I stepped it up and I read Hebrews every single day. And while I was doing that, I also read the Bible in 90 days. And so I went nuts on Scripture. And then May hit and I went, I'm going to be less intentional about reading Scripture. Take a bit of a break. I don't think it's coincidence that not that long into May, um, I was more vulnerable in this space because I wasn't meditating on the majesty of Jesus. I wasn't meditating on who he is and what he's done and what that means for me and for others. And so I became introspective. I became fearful. And the shift for me was actually the next day. And one of the big things that helped me three years ago was uh, implementing the, the Sabbath. And having a day where I turn my phone off and I disconnect from that stuff in order to connect in more with God, more to have time and availability uh, for my family. Um, and what I didn't have two weeks ago was my routine. Monday has been my Sabbath, so I was replacing that with a teaching day. And so what I did on the Wednesday, Christy's suggestion was to take Wednesday as Sabbath. Um, and it was last minute and I wasn't able to do the, the whole day. Um, but just taking some time and spending deliberate, intentional time with the Lord, which might sound super spiritual, but if you heard me pray definitely wasn't super spiritual. It was just me whining and complaining, telling God all the things that I was struggling with. And, but it, it starts in that place of taking my problems to him. He gives an invitation or is it a command when he says, come to me all who are weary and heavy burdened 
and I will give you rest. That's his promise. He doesn't specify what that looks like. And I think one of our challenges is that we don't have Jesus physically here giving us those words. So what does it mean to come to him? Well, right here and now, we don't have the restriction of having to find a particular person who's in a particular place. We can come to him through the Spirit wherever we are. If we can pop the slide up on the screen, thanks, Steve. I just want you to take a bit of time uh, to reflect into these questions. So with the obedience of faith, consider the following questions. Take some time on your own, and when you're ready, discuss with someone else. So what challenges your trust in Jesus? What increases your trust in Jesus? What's an area where you've struggled to trust Jesus recently and you're seeking to be more obedient to Jesus? And then pray for each other. So I'm going to pray and then I'll leave you to it. We'll do this for a few minutes and then the band will come up and they'll lead us in a couple more songs. It might be that you get through this um, before the singing starts. It might be that it's something that you continue on later. Um, but in this space, for me, something that increases my trust in Jesus is simply focusing on him and giving him that time. And I find that having that Sabbath, having that day where my phone is off and I have that intentionality is such a helpful thing in the rhythm of my week. Um, and I find having that time with the Lord at whatever time of the day, um, for me, works best first thing in the morning, whether I'm running, whether I'm in a quiet spot, but just to take time to focus on him just makes a massive difference in increasing my trust because he is trustworthy and the, the lack just tends to be on me spending time focusing on him. So curious for you to consider for yourself your answers to these questions. So come Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here. We thank you that you are at work. We want to be obedient disciples we want to obey what it is that you're saying to us. Would you just help us now as we reflect on these questions? Would you help us to be real and honest? Would you help us to position ourselves in a way that um, we can see breakthrough? So come Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. So take some time, reflect. And when you're ready, have a chat to someone nearby and pray for each other.